you don't have a Bible, we'd love to put one in your hands. Today we are talking about having an eye makeover. Eye makeover. So if you're taking notes, we're talking about an eye makeover. We're in this series called Extreme Life Makeover. We're going head to toe and talking about how we can have our life made over by the Lord. I was reflecting this week about the first time that I realized that what I watched actually affected how I lived my life. What I watched actually affected how I lived my life. You know, we have so many images that we're seeing every day. And so often we think they don't affect us. Should I use the handheld? Testing. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. All right. I was, um, I was thinking about when I was a kid and went snow skiing for the first time. Anybody go snow skiing as a kid before? Like you started trying to ski as a kid. It's an interesting endeavor. My family, we didn't have a lot of, of prudence in what we watched growing up. And so from an early age, uh, instead of watching Barney or, um, you know, little cartoons, I watched a lot of James Bond movies. And um, my parents had pure hearts. They loved God. They just had never had anybody tell them that what you watch might actually affect you as a child. And so one of the things, and I'm sure there's plenty of things that I picked up from James Bond that weren't very helpful, but one of the interesting things I, I picked up from James Bond was somehow, no matter where he was, he would always end up getting chased on a ski slope. When you really start thinking about that, that's like, that, that really doesn't make any sense. But somehow he'd always have skis on and he'd be on a ski slope, a perfectly groomed ski slope. And it was amazing, you know, the all, he, he'd be going down and all, all of a sudden all these guys in black, they'd always be wearing black, would come after him. And he'd, you know, they'd, he'd turn around and have guns on his ski poles, but he'd always get one ski shot out from under him. And then, then he'd be on one ski skiing and he would be, you know, he'd go off and, and for some reason to dodge bullets, he'd do like flips off of moguls and, you know, go in between trees and then it'd always fly off a cliff and have a parachute. So at five years old, having never been skiing, but having watched many James Bond movies, I was completely convinced that I would ski like James Bond. I've always been a little confident, um, maybe a little too confident. And so I remember the first time I got on skis, and, you know, my parents are all concerned and trying to help me stand up, and I'm kind of pushing them away, and so, so frustrated that there's the little bunny slope, you know, I want to get on the big thing. And I remember getting my skis on, and, you know, they're telling me to snowplow and this, and I'm like, no way am I going to snowplow, that's for sissies. I'm going to be like James Bond. So I just pointed my skis straight down that slope. And I remember taking off, and I'm looking, this is my first time ever skiing, I'm looking for a jump. So I just start going, looking for a jump, and all of a sudden, I just fly off the side of that slope, poof, right into a big tuft of snow and disappear. Poof. And I want to tell you, I was so, I was so disappointed. I thought, what is wrong with these skis? 
My, my point is this, that sometimes what we see actually affects how we live. And I had watched so much of these James Bond movies that I was completely convinced that I was going to be a great skier. Now, that's kind of a, a cute story, and it took years to even be able to decently ski. But a couple years later, I was exposed to something at a young age that would have a, a much more detrimental effect on my life. I was over at a friend's house. Uh, we were playing unsupervised. I don't remember why I did this, but I looked under the sink and found a stack of his dad's Playboy magazines. And I remember all of a sudden being completely mesmerized and making sure the door was locked. And I had never experienced something like this where my heart starts pounding. And there was this excitement and exhilaration combined with this extreme conviction and this kind of heat of knowing this isn't right. And, you know, that led into this activity that would, for the first time, make me realize I need to hide this from my parents. Started bringing a wedge into my relationships with my parents who had been so loving. I started realizing I need to distance myself from them. I also, for the first time, realized, you see, I had grown up in a church, and although it wasn't just totally on fire like this, I still had this great base knowledge that God loved me. And I remember for the first time starting to feel distance from God. And feeling like I needed to hide from him because I knew what I was doing was wrong. You see, today we want to talk about an eye makeover. And I, I know that when I start sharing this, some people are automatically squirming in their seats. And, you know, it's not something I really want to talk about. I'd, I'd much rather camp out on something that's really joyful. And by the end of this sermon, I hope we can get there. My desire today is not to beat you up, not to tear you down, not to heap judgment upon you. It's to set you free. The Bible says that he who the sun sets free is free indeed to no longer be burdened by a yoke of slavery. And that is Jesus' heart for you. But what I find is if we don't address the hard things, then we go around putting on a smiley face, showing up in church, putting on a nice church face. But all the while, we have things in the closets that's death and decay that are destroying our life. And we can't truly know the abundant life that Jesus has called us to. And so some days we have to pull in, circle up the troops, sit around the table and say, guys, we got to talk about some hard stuff because it's an epidemic. You see, centuries ago, these plagues would hit communities and they would wipe out half the population. The bubonic plague, the black plague, I remember being in Oberammergau, Germany, where they lost half of their population. They were praying, God, please stop this plague because it's about to destroy every, every family had lost someone. Well, thankfully today we have immunizations, we have medication. We're not having these plagues of sickness that are going through and, and destroying half the population. But I want to tell you that there's a plague going on today in our nation that's every bit as deadly. And that plague is the plague of pornography. You see, when I was a kid, you'd have to go into a gas station. You had to actually be a certain age. You had to kind of ashamedly say, oh, I want that magazine and pull that off. But not anymore, friends. Today... Any little device you have, you can access this in the privacy of your own home. Even your phone, you're carrying it around. It is a dangerous time. And just studying the statistics today that I'm not going to bore you with, we're in an, an epidemic as a nation. And what I want to say today is many people in the church actually think this is just something we have to deal with. 
This is just never going to go away. That all guys deal with this. You probably even heard the statistics. Some statistics are saying that 80% of pastors are looking at internet pornography. Of pastors. And these are people that are wanting to serve God with their whole life. And so what I've, I've seen and what I've heard and I've even heard in men's accountability groups is, you know, oh, that's okay, man. You know, we all struggle. That's just part of life. And what I want to tell you today is that Jesus died to set you free and that you can live in freedom. I've asked a friend, come on up, Mason. I've asked a friend who has a real life story. Of dealing with this issue, and can you imagine the courage? Throughout this series, we're going to have people coming up and sharing real-life stories. So, Mason, go ahead and tell us what's happened in your life. Uh, my name is Mason, and I've been coming to All People's Church for a little bit over two years now. And when I first came, I came with a lot of baggage. Um, I was getting drunk all the time. I was doing drugs. I was in a sexual relationship. And, of course, I was looking at porn all the time. Um, and what I found was I moved into a discipleship house and I had accountability and it was easy to get rid of the drinking. It was easy to stop doing drugs. Um, the relationship problem was easy. Just break up with the girlfriend that you're having sex with. Um, but I couldn't find a way to stop looking at pornography. Um, I was in accountability, but every week it was just the same. Yeah, I fell again and I didn't, I didn't know what to do about that. Um, but then Robert actually gave a sermon on uh, taking every thought captive and really monitoring what you take in. And I found that as I began to kind of cut things out of my life that I was taking in, the battle became easier. Um, it wasn't necessarily porn that would, that would cause the fall. I could be watching something on TV. You can listen to music that has sexually suggestive lyrics, and, and that will get the thought process going. But as I cut those out and as I would be walking down the street and seeing girls and instead of doing the double take, just saying no and looking the other way, it just made the battle so much easier. And then I remember a month coming to an end and saying, this next month is going to be a month of freedom for me and I'm not going to go back. And that's what happened. And that was almost two years ago. And I've been walking in freedom ever since. There's some things that I just heard in that testimony that you might want to take note of. First of all, walking in community, being in a community where people are actually wanting to move forward, who you surround yourself with is, is very important. Second of all, Mason, letting himself get convicted. And then you, you heard him say that he was purposely accountable. He was sharing that. And he finally got tired of every week confessing the same thing. And then this resolve, this month, Things will change. You see, he was convinced that God had power to set him free. And he was willing to partner with God to see it happen. And now he's saying, two years. I went from addiction to I've been walking in freedom for two years. That's so encouraging. Matthew 6.22 says this. The eye, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye is the lamp of the body. Maybe you've never thought of it this way. The eye is actually supposed to bring light into your body. The Bible is very clear. Your eyes can be good 
or your eyes can be bad. Think about an eye being a lamp, an eye being a light. I remember the time that I, I most uh, was thankful for a lamp, or it was kind of a lamp torch. I was in the Philippines, and some friends decided to take me caving. Now, I thought we'd kind of go into a little cave for about 10 minutes and think, look around, oh, there's some stalactites and stalagmites. No, this was one of those squeeze caves, and we were climbing on our bellies and climbing up a little. I mean, it was intense. We walk in. I, you know, we didn't know that we were going caving, so we didn't all bring flashlights. But all of a sudden, this guy pulls out a stick, wraps the thing around, pours kerosene, and whoo, he's got the lamp, you know, the, the torch, the Indiana Jones. And, and all of a sudden, he's leading us. And I want to tell you that that light, I was so thankful because all of a sudden, I'm seeing the path. And I would not let that light get out of my sight. An hour and a half, we're climbing through this thing. But there was one thing that I remember is I was always determined to keep my eye right on that light. Because as long as I kept it, I wouldn't get lost in this pitch dark cave. Men and women, that is what our eyes are supposed to be. Our eyes are supposed to be the light of our body. But we can use our eyes to focus on the light or we can focus on dark things. We need to guard our eyes. We need to protect our eyes. Listen to what Job 31.1 said. Job said this. He said this, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. I made a covenant with my eyes. Let me ask you, have you made a covenant with your eyes before? Have you told your eyes, eyes, no more, not today. Have you made a covenant with your eyes that every moment, not just on a Sunday because it's the Lord's day, but every moment, eyes, you're going to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Have you done that before? Have you realized how valuable your eyes are? I, I got to San Diego and I think San Diegans maybe value their eyes more than anyone because I've never seen so many people wearing sunglasses. I got here and... I felt so insecure that I didn't have cool sunglasses. Everybody was wearing sunglasses. This is the only place that I've seen people wear sunglasses inside church. I mean, looking around, people be wearing sunglasses in the church. I'm like, man, it's, I can barely see in here. Well, I was just at a funeral. I, was, I did part of a funeral yesterday, and they talked about this woman, and one of the marks was she always wore sunglasses, even in the church. She was always wearing her sunglasses. San Diegans love sunglasses. Why? Because it's so bright outside. We have so many great days of sun, but what we know, the reason people wear sunglasses is they're protecting their eyes. They don't want those harmful UV rays to affect their eyes. They want to preserve their eyes. It's not just sunglasses. There's different jobs. Chemists, they have to wear goggles on their eyes, right? I mean, you remember chemistry class. We put on those big goggles, right? Hard to, hard to pick up a, a, a date in chemistry class. Hey, ooh, you know, look, looking at them like a big cricket. And... <clears throat> Different, different jobs. Our, our policemen in here, our military personnel in here, when you go to the target range, you have to wear goggles on your eyes. Why? Because our eyes are vulnerable. Our eyes are vulnerable. And we have to protect them. We don't want to go through life without our eyes. In the same way, we need to protect our eyes spiritually. What you take in with your eyes affects you. What you watch affects you. 
And some of you say, well, you know, that's fine and good. Praise God, Mason got set free. But I don't deal with pornography. I, I, I'm not addicted to internet porn. That's not my issue. So let me take you into something I think that probably will affect all of us. Anybody going to watch the Super Bowl today? You raise your hand if you're going to watch the Super Bowl. If you're going to watch the 49ers destroy the Ravens. I mean, um, it's a faith statement right there. All right. Do you know that not everything that's going to come on TV during the Super Bowl hours is from Jesus? Do do you realize that? That not every television advertiser is a spirit-filled believer. And so here are some of the things that you might observe if you're not careful. You might see some sexual images. This is what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 28. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks, anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I want to tell you, these advertisers, they don't care about your purity. They just want to sell their stuff. And they know that sex sells. And so they're going to put these sexual images. And the enemy is going, they're just going to think they're watching a little football, but I'm going to get them. He wants you to commit adultery in your heart. And, And we just think, well, that's just normal culture. No, it's normal hell right there, folks. That is the devil and his wily schemes trying to take you into adultery into your heart. It's not okay to just look at things. We, you know, guys would be like, whoa, you know, I can look, but I can't touch. Yeah, and you can break God's heart. And you can break your wife or your future wife or your daughter's heart by what we do. What we do with our eyes, it matters. You know, we think, well, you know, it's just on TV. I can't help it. The football game's going to be on and those advertisements are going to be on. No, that's like saying, you know, I walk into the kitchen and I have to drink every liquid in there. So, you know, you, you go and get your soda and then you, you all of a sudden you go and get your soap, you know, and then you get your drain, right? And then you get your olive oil, you know, no, you have control over what you drink. Listen to me. You have control over what you watch. God even invented this thing called a remote control (laughs) to give you control. But some of you need to exercise control with your remote control, right? We need to take control and use that remote control. So what do you do? You're watching the football game and all of a sudden it shifts to some slimy thing and you go, boop. And people are going to look at you and go, hey, what did you do? And just say, hey, you know, I'm honoring Jesus right now. Guarding my eyes right now. What are you doing? Okay, now I, I know some of you, some of you are like, hey, I don't, I don't want to be holier than thou. I might be at some, someone's house that that would be really weird for. Let me teach you something. This is going to be revolutionary. So you're watching the football game and a sexual image comes on. Watch what I do. <laughs> Practice that with me. Practice that with me. Ready? Sexual image. It wasn't that hard. And you say, no, no, I, I don't want to make... I don't want to cause them shame. Watch this one. 
Do you get that? And you think that's too much? Just do this. I'm telling you, you're going to save your inside of your spirit, your soul. Just turn away your eyes. There's sexual image. There's violent images. There's vi- we're, guys, we're so desensitized to violence. I remember the story that my first mentor shared with me. He's a, now a, a missionary in, in, in Morocco. And I remember him sharing with me because I was, I was really frustrated. I, can't, I signed up to be a, a life group leader at, at the church in Texas. And, and they said, hey, would you be willing to set aside rated R movies to be a life group leader? And I was ticked. I was, and they said, because we think those things affect you. And I was like, those things don't affect me. I'm not, you know, there's bad language, but I'm not cussing. There's sexuality, but I'm not sleeping with people. There's violence, but I'm not killing people. It doesn't affect me. And I remember telling Mark about this. And, and he said, well, let me tell you a story. He goes, I was, I was in Siberia on a four-month outreach. And I hadn't watched TV in four months. And he's like, the fellowship I was experiencing with the Holy Spirit was so sweet. And he said, but I was reaching out to this young man. And he happened to work in a TV store. So I walked into a TV store and I hadn't seen TV in four months. And he said, I just got sucked in. And he said, and it was die hard. So I was just watching die hard, you know, just Bruce Willis, just tearing it up. And all of a sudden he pulls up a gun and just graphically murders someone. And he said, right when that happened, the sweet presence of the Lord, I had been experiencing unencumbered for four months. It just went whoop. And he said, he felt the spirit grieved. And he said, all, all of a sudden, I was like, no, 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 no. Because I, I realized that Jesus is not going to let me take him into sin with me. Now, did God leave him? Of course not. God doesn't leave us. But to steward the presence of God is a precious and costly thing. Let me just say that again. God never leaves you. But to steward his presence, to host his presence. And that's what we want to be. We want to be a people who host his presence. So walk and commune with them, with them day by day, moment by moment. To do that is a very costly thing. And when you're taking yourself into these situations where it's worldly and slimy and gross or violent. You know, we, we just think, well, it's on prime time, so certainly it's okay. Hello? No, there are so many things that are breaking the heart of God. To kill, to take a life. It breaks the heart of God. And I think so many of us, we're so just desensitized. Oh, it's okay. That person just got shot, you know. And, but we're glorifying something that breaks the heart of God. I'll show you with you a couple more things. The, material in, the materialistic influence that we take in through our eyes. Just during the Super Bowl, you just watch how many things are going to be advertised. The purpose of these advertisers is to create want in your heart and to tell you that you're not happy unless you have what they are advertising. And listen to what the scripture says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we, what we try to do is even in benign, in, in unharmful commercials, we just, we just mute it. 
and just kind of carry on our conversation. Why? Because I don't want to be deceived into thinking that I have to have these things. And some of you need to do what Mason did. Mason said, you know, some, someone would walk by or some image would be, and he'd go, no. You need to talk to those images. You need to look at that TV set and say, you're a liar. You liar. You're going to get free, I'm telling you. It's not just materialistic influences. It's selfish influences. It says in the, in the last days, people would be lovers of self. There has never been a time where we're being preached at more by TV, by radio, by movies, by the internet, by all kinds of advertising that you deserve a break today, right? You deserve it your way. No, you know what? I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. But Jesus has given me life, right? But you know, whenever you start getting that little pity party, they want you to have that little pity party. I deserve it. I need a credit card. I deserve this. I need a triple decker cheeseburger right now. I deserve it my way, right? Don't stand in my way, right? That's not right. This is America for crying out loud. Give me my cheeseburger on my credit card. In my brand new car that I can't afford. You need to say, liar. No, I'm a bond slave of the Lord. I'm a, I'm a servant of God. Laying down our lives. I, I loved hearing the story of what happened to Tani. Come on up, Tani. When, when she came to the Lord and she started submitting her life to him, I remember hearing this. And I want her to share with you her experience. Hi. Okay, so about two years ago, uh, we did a series here at All People's Church where Robert challenged us to purify our lives and not be compromising in any way. The phrase that rung in my head over and over and over again was, it's not a question of how far can you push the line of purity, but how pure can you be? And it was at this point in my life that I decided to go all in with God And I started to feel convicted about what I was consuming as entertainment, not only for the sake of myself, but also the people around and under me. I had started to intern leading a college life group, and I realized what a stumbling block I was being to the people I was leading by compromising in the entertainment area of my life. Um, Until God really started taking over my life, I was a crazy movie buff. I collected movies of all types. And my roommate at the time and I would watch movies every weekend. And I started to realize that most of them were inappropriate and slamming me every time I watched them. Until, or, so I decided to take a stand and purify this area of my life. My friend Casey, who's now in Thailand, uh, was on the same journey with me. And we wanted purity and we wanted freedom in every way. And so we made a movie date. She brought over all her movies and we laid out all her movies and all of my movies on my floor. And one by one, we went through every movie with the filter asking, is this too violent? Does this have bad language? Is this too sexual? Is this too dark? Does it have witchcraft in it? Um, Is this adulterous in any way? Is this going to draw out our hearts in any unhealthy way? If it matched any of those categories, we threw it away. We were so surprised that some of the movies we had grown up watching as kids that measured up to most of these filters. We had to throw away a ton of kids' movies that we grew up watching. And... 
For the ones that we weren't as clear about, we prayed together through each one to see if God wanted us to keep it or not. And that might seem a little intense, but we didn't want to be compromising in any way. And so we finally got through one of the most freeing days of my life. And at the end of it, I had about 20 DVDs left from a collection of over 150. So I had thrown away over 100 movies. And Casey, about the same. Um, This may seem a little extreme to some of you, a little tedious, religious, or even a huge waste of money. And it was. I had spent a lot of money on those movies. But the truth is, ever since I have taken a stand to censor what I consume with my eyes, my life has been so much more free. I'm sensitive again to the things that those movies desensitized me to. I feel, I feel God's heart more intimately now than my own heart is not callous anymore by the things I once took in. And I was able to focus more on God and allow him to romance me rather than long for the fake fantasy relationships that the movies I was watching led me to believe were true love. It was one more giant chain broken off my life that allowed me to run faster and stronger after Jesus. Some of you might be thinking, well, gosh, that, that's intense. You know, um, I'm just not, I'm not there. I, she must have been, you know, this is such a higher level of Christianity. You know, she, she's probably just walking with the Lord for years. I think Tanya had been a believer for six months when she did that. But you see, it wasn't about how long she had walked with the Lord. It was how hard she wanted to run after him. How hard she wanted to run after him. And today you see the fruit in Tani's life of ending up having a, a pure dating relationship and a wonderful marriage to a godly man, and now her being set free to go live out her destiny with the Lord. And that's the desire. The desire is not to be some religious prude. The desire is to be set free from the bondage the enemy wants to weigh down on us. He wants to fill us with his poison. He wants us to decay from the inside out. And that's what we're doing when we're taking in worldly things and consuming them. We think, wow, I'm getting away with it. And the enemy's saying, no, you're poisoning yourself, but you just don't know it. And God's saying, stop the poison. And start taking the antidote. And so that's what I want to finish with. We've, we've talked about the sunglasses. We've talked about guarding our eyes and, and protecting them, right? We've talked about the protective and the preventative measures. Now, let me talk about how we enhance our vision. A couple months ago, The Hobbit came out. I love Tolkien. I love C.S. Lewis stuff. I, I love Middle Earth. And I... I was so excited when The Hobbit came out. And so uh, it was in that first uh, several days that it was out. So I called Stephen and my, my other brother-in-law, Chris. And, and so we were going. I asked Steph, hey, do you mind if I put the kids to bed and then like sneak out kind of late at night to go see The Hobbit? She was like, go for it. Do your thing. And so anyway, we, we went and we show up. And the only showing at the time we got there was a 3D showing. And I'm like, oh, man, 3D showing. Oh, I don't really know if I want to wear those glasses the whole time. But I was like, you know what? I'm committed. i got to see The Hobbit. And so we paid the extra money for the, for the Hobbit. I thought I might have to take out a small loan. But we, they, give us, they give us our 3D glasses. And we go in there. I put on my 
the glasses are much nicer than these. But I put those glasses on, and guys, I was lost in Hobbitland. <laughs> the, the, the tall grass was swaying. I, I, the fireplace in, in, in Bilbo's fireplace, it was crackling. And, oh, I just wanted to nestle up next to, next to a dwarf. And I mean, it was, it was life-changing. And the 3D glass, I mean, it just, it took me in to Middle Earth. I was in Middle Earth and it was exciting and it was exhilarating. And after two hours and 45 minutes, it ends. And I'm like, no, 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 don't send me back to reality. In your, in your bulletin right now is a 3D pair of glasses. Would you put those on for me right now? You'll never forget this. And neither will I. All right, hold on a second. I'm going to put that on Facebook. Just kidding. You guys look really good. Now listen, the reason I have these glasses on you right now (laughs) is I actually, I'm not going to show you anything. I'm so sorry. But I want you to know That your life and your Christian life is not supposed to be lived two-dimensionally. If you feel like your Christian life is boring, then you haven't tapped into what God has for you. He wants you to actually step into the show. You know how 3D movies are? All of a sudden, things are coming at you. Right? That is how your life of faith is supposed to be. It's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be interactive. And that's what God wants for you. So I want to end with three different things to start focusing your eyes on. I've told you what not to to put your eyes on. You can take them off or you can leave them on if you feel more comfortable that way. Let me tell you three, three things to focus your eyes on. I've told you what not to, but here are three things to focus your eyes on to finish our message real quick. The first is the beauty of creation. The beauty of creation. Listen to this verse. Well, and here's what I'm telling you. I I don't want you to go away just thinking that this whole life is just about what not to do. That's what I thought growing up. I thought when you're a Christian, you just have a huge list of what not to do. So today I want to end by telling you what to do, what you can enjoy, right? Because God gave you your eyes and in his presence is fullness of joy and he wants you to enjoy your eyes. And he wants your eyes to be mesmerized and fascinated. So number one, focus on the beauty of creation. Romans 1, 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made. When we look at creation, we understand who God is. That's why they're tree huggers out there. They're just deceived. They just think they want to worship the tree. Oh, your tree? No, don't worship the tree. But the tree points to the beauty of God. And, and my friends, we are so blessed to live in San Diego where the beauty of creation is exploding around us. Don't you see the enormity of God's love in the ocean? The enormity. Don't you see his strength and steadfastness in the rock cliffs in Mission Gorge? Don't you see 
his, his, his rugged untameness in the desert out, out east, right? When you look at the sun and its brightness, aren't you blown away by God's glory? I mean, how can you be an unbeliever in sunny San Diego? When you go outside at night and see the stars, don't you understand his lavishness? I mean, how many stars does one person need? When you walk on the beach and see the, the, the sands, aren't you blown away by the vastness of his thoughts towards you? Listen to what Psalm 19 says. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the wonders the heavens declare and the, and the skies declare the wonders of his hands. We need to walk around with our eyes open. You need to just study a leaf and be blown away. You need to go to the zoo and crack up at the hilarity of God. These baboons with these big noses. Man, God's the ultimate jokester. So glad he made them like that, not me. Feast your eyes on creation. Feast your eyes on creation. Secondly, feast your eyes on the beauty of God's word. Let your eyes feast on the beauty of God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of a man's heart. The word of God is living and active. If you just think, oh, that's the Bible. Oh, the Bible's boring. I don't think you've really tapped into it yet. Really quickly, I've told you all a little about my trip to Brazil, but I, I didn't share with you one deeply impacting experience I had. And it was at a place called Montana Grill. Montana Grill was a Brazilian steakhouse. And up to this point, I had never had the privilege of going to a Brazilian steakhouse. And then I went in Brazil. <laughs> and my life has changed. <laughs> it started like this. I went to this buffet and they had every kind of salad you could imagine. And so I start going and I'm just loading up the plate because this is, they're treating me. These pastors are treating me. And I'm like, oh man. So I'm loading up with the salads and then it had every kind of pasta and I'm starting to load up and they were like, whoa, 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 boy. You don't want to miss what's coming next. So I, I'm just taking a little, little taste of everything on this grill. And I get around to the backside and there is every kind of sushi. And I love sushi. So I just start, I mean, and guys, this is all, this is all paid for, for crying out loud. So I start loading on the sushi, but then I get to the table and the glory fell because these, these waiters came out with these long skewers and on the skewers was every kind of meat you can imagine. And I love meat. Unapologetically, stop judging me. I love meat. And guys, they came out with filet, ribeye. They came out with, with, with veal. They came out, and, and then they had every kind of meat. And they come out, and these waiters would look at you with these puppy dog eyes of saying, you're not going to deny me serving you right now. They'd look, and I'd be like, far be it from me to stop you. Have your way with me. And, and so they just load on that meat. And I want to tell you, there was salty meat. There was bland meat, there was sweet meat, there was succulent meat, there was juicy meat and dry meat. 
Every time, I mean, my mouth was exploding with flavors. And I tell you that because that's how the word of God is. There is a feast. There is a feast in this book. There is a feast for you in this book. Guys, it's not just, oh, that's the word of God. No, there's instruction and there's poetry. There's romance. Whoops. Romance. And there's adventure. Got those twisted up for a second. There's prophecy. There's revelation. Right? There's comfort for your soul. There's rebuke. There's challenge. There's history. And we're called to just go and feast on it. Just take your eyes and just feast on the word of God. And it'll change you. Last point to finish The last thing we want to feast our eyes on is the beauty of the Lord. We want to feast on the beauty of the Lord. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. How do you gaze on the beauty of the Lord? There's many ways, but one is through worship. I love to just close my eyes and try to picture Jesus while I'm worshiping. Another is through the theophanies, the revelation of God in all his glory in scripture. Revelation 4, Revelation 7, Revelation 5, Daniel 10, Ezekiel 2. These places where we're seeing Jesus in his glory. And you just look upon that. And you feast on the beauty of the Lord. He lets us feast on his beauty through visions, through dreams. In prayer, feast on the beauty of the Lord. So let me end with maybe this little Bible discovery that perhaps you've never seen before. Speaking of feasting on the beauty of the Lord with your eyes, in the throne room, there's all these different things happening. There's a sea of glass. There's a rainbow of emerald. There's a, a jasper and carnelian hue. There's fire. But then there's this really interesting thing that really actually freaks some people out. There's these living creatures. And these creatures have the privilege of always standing in the presence of God. Can you imagine? They're always standing in the presence of God. And let me just read to you about these creatures. This is the last verse I'm going to read. It says, each of the four living creatures had six wings. This is Revelation 4, 8. And was covered with, was covered with, they're covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Do you know what these creatures are called? Seraphim. Now, that might not mean much to you, but let me tell you what seraphim means. It means burning ones. Are you starting to put it together? Is it any coincidence that the beings that stand in the presence of the resurrected Jesus have eyes all over them? It's because the Lord is to be beheld. And so he creates these creatures that live in his presence that have eyes all over them. And they can't ever stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Ah, My eyes. And you know what happens? 
because they have so many eyes and they're looking on the fire of God, they become burning ones. The secret to burning for Jesus is feasting your eyes on him. When we stand up. Would you close your eyes as we pray? Lord, we love you. And we thank you for our eyes. Lord, they are a gift. Thank you for our eyes, Lord. And God, we want them to be instruments that put fire in our souls. We want the light of God to come through what we take in with our eyes. And Lord, we say that we can't do it on our own. We need your strength to guard our eyes. We slip up all the time, God. Prayer team, can I have you come forward right now? We just have a couple minutes left. If you need prayer today, boldly come forward. We've already had people come and share the depths of of things they were in. If you need prayer in this area, if you're just saying, you know, I, I haven't ever consecrated my eyes to the Lord, but I need to do that today. I want to encourage you to come and have someone pray with you. There might have been different things that came up during this message that you just say you need prayer for. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you say, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love for you to come up and pray for one with one of these people and they'll give you one of these little sheets right here that just talk about how to walk with Jesus day by day. And lastly, if you need healing for anything, we've been here in the last several weeks of people coming forward to receive healing and having a divine touch that results in a healing. Jesus is still healing today. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we want to pray for you. If you need prayer today as Stephen leads us back into worship, let's spend our last couple minutes connecting with the Lord, but you come and receive prayer.